0: together to John chapter 1. You never know who's going to walk out of the drum cockpit over there. If you don't know that guy, that's Brandon Hayes. He was a faithful drummer here for years, and God took him away, which was one thing, but he took his wife away, which is everybody was more sad about that, I think. But, uh, just playing. Good to have you guys with us. Um, so John chapter one is where we're going to get to in a little bit. So you just stay put. Um, so Advent is—it's uh, a part of the, the church calendar where we focus on the Advent of Christ. Um, a long time ago, uh, the church fathers and different leaders got together and kind of put together a calendar for the church year. Uh, and the the church calendar does the same thing that our calendars do. Uh, it helps. Uh, helps us divide life up a little bit. It puts things into seasons and uh, helps give some structure to to life. Uh, and it gives structure to church life as well. Um, like a regular calendar, it helps us to mark significant events. And so on our calendars, we have uh, birthdays and anniversaries and those kinds of things. And it's you know the same way in the, the church calendar. We're celebrating those things that are significant, uh, the ones that we want to come back to over and over again. Um, it also helps us to to make sure that we're, we're spending the appropriate amount of time covering the appropriate uh, things to us in our faith. Uh, it helps us to stay away from, uh, I guess, getting kind of in one sort of rut to where we're, um, we're just very focused on some things theologically, not others. And so it, it helps to just uh, kind of spread out the teaching and different things to make sure that we're covering the full spectrum of things. Of, uh, of theological things that are beneficial for us. And so uh, that's kind of where Advent comes from and some of the reasoning behind it. Um, we've explored different ways to do this together as a church uh, for a while. And um, the, what we're going to do uh, this year on Sunday nights um, is I'm going to sort of recap things we've done in the past. Uh, normally each season we've had kind of a singular focus over the the entire uh, few weeks of Advent Um, But this year, I'm going to take tonight and talk about one of those seasons that we've had in the past. And next week will be a different one of those seasons. to sort of make sure that we're getting all that stuff uh, as well and some of that. So that might not make sense to you. It sort of makes sense to me, but that's kind of where we're going the next couple weeks. Um, The last semester, we've been in Hebrews 11 and looking at faith and what it means to walk by faith with the Lord. Uh, The first verse in that chapter... Uh, gives us a, kind of a working definition of faith. Uh, we'll throw it on the screen for you. Uh, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. All right, The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And sort of breaking that down a little bit, we we talked in the very first week of, of that series through chapter 11, and in a lot of the weeks uh, following, um, assurance of things hoped for, uh, what are the things that we're hoping for? And I just kind of uh, put it into kind of three general areas. One would be uh, that, like, would, one would be about the character of God, that we are assured that God really is who he says that he is. You know, that that's really like his character and his nature, that he really is holy and sovereign and good and. Uh, omnipresent, you know, he's everywhere, and like all those things that God tells us about his character and his power and his ability, uh, we're assured and we're hoping that, that that he's telling us the truth. And so it's this confident assurance that he really is who he says he is. Uh, and then the second one was uh, just revolving around his plans for uh, the universe and for humanity and all that kind of stuff, that, that he has come to make all things new. Uh, so we are hoping that he's making all things new, and we are assuring, uh, we are assured that he is. Like, we're confident. So it's not hoping, like, we're crossing our fingers and, you know, you know kind of half in, half out. And no, Like, we're, we're all in, saying, like, we're assured that the things that we're hoping for are going to happen. That his plans for humanity really are going to carry out that way. Um, so his character, his plans. The third one uh, was, uh, was about his relationship with us. That in light of that character and in light of those plans, the commitments that He's made to us relationally—you know—that He will never leave us or forsake us; that He is with us always, uh, even to the ends of the earth; that He has a plan for us and a plan that is filled with goodness um, and love. Uh, the fact that the twenty-third Psalm is true for us all the time—that we, He really is our good Shepherd who pursues us with uh, love and mercy and uh, just that steadfast grace that is ours. And so um, the assurance of things hoped for, we're saying, all right, these are, these are the things we're hoping for about God and we are assured that, that that's really going to happen, that he really is who he says he is and he's going to do what he said he's going to do and he's going to take care of us in the ways that he said that he would. Um, the second part of that, the conviction of things not seen. Um, so in light of those things the assurance of those things we're hoping for, uh, we walk forward uh, into the unknown, which in one regard is like the next moment, right? Moment to moment. It's, it's unseen. The future is unseen to us. And so we walk forward into the next second, into the next second. Uh, go beyond that. We walk forward into whatever God has the rest of the night. God has for us on Monday, through the rest of this week, the rest of 2013 into 2014, those kinds of things. We're... We're walking with conviction and confidence into the unknown of the future, believing that even though we may not be able to see all those things happening, believing that God is at work, whether we can see it and feel it and all that kind of stuff or not. And so we walk by faith, not by sight or emotion or circumstance. We walk forward believing that all these things are true. And, and God gives us um, a lot of things that we can see, to inform the unseen. So there's no such thing really as blind faith. Uh, our faith is very informed by the created world around us, by the transformed lives around us, and if if we will be gracious enough to admit it by the fact that we who are in Christ, we're, we're, we've grown. Uh, it may not be leaps and bounds by our own assessment, but God's done something in us. He's started something in us, and he Always finishes what he starts. And so, um, so all that walking by faith, living by faith, that's what we've been talking about for a long time. And if, if we think about it for a second, the advent of Jesus, the first advent of Jesus, and the advent that is to come, uh, both of those involve a tremendous amount of faith. Not only for you and I, but for the saints who have gone before us for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. That for the Old Testament saints, they were looking forward ...to the Messiah coming. For those who lived during his lifetime, they were having have faith looking at him saying, this is the one, you know. And then after he, he died, rose again, ascended into heaven, the Spirit came. Now we're all looking back and saying, like, no, he really did come. He really did do all those things. Uh, so his arrival is a huge matter of faith and has always played a big role in the life of the people of God. Um, we looked uh, in Genesis 12, uh, which you don't need to turn to that either. Um, uh, much of Hebrews 11, you know, we go through all these examples of people who live by faith. And most of them were living in faith based on this promise that came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, and this is what it says. Um, now, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And here's the, here's the promise. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Alright, look in that verse, there's a couple of things uh, that God has promised. Um, I will make of you a great nation, meaning that he's going to, uh, through Abraham's uh, children and their children, all his descendants, they were going to become a great nation. Which at the time, Abraham was, he was like well along in years and past the age of like childbearing and stuff like that with his wife. And so there's, you know, that whole story, uh, that whole side of it. But the, well, the promise is um, your name will continue and I'm going to bless you. Um, I'll make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So, the first two parts of that i'll make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great those are are really about the establishment of Israel and about the um just the going from one man to a you know and and, and him having kids and then those kids having kids and the, the expansion of Israel um, going from uh where from one man into this nation, and then they were slaves in Egypt and then he freed them from that, established them in the promised land and they uh Spread out, split into tribes, and then all this kind of stuff happened, so but at one point, like they became a great nation, and so this promise made to one man was passed on generation to generation, and they all were believing god 's going to do this god 's going to do this um, god 's going to make us great, and he 's going to bless us and make our name great. That last part, though, so that you will be a blessing that 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 gives us some insight as to um, as to kind of what God is up to a little bit, you know. That God wasn't just saying like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this, this like, like elderly couple, and they're going to have a kid, and that's going to be a miracle. And then I'm going to do all this stuff, and i have this great nation. We're going to rule the world. Um, end of story, you know. He says, no, I'm going to do all this so that you will be a blessing. In the next verse, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And, and here's, here's the big push for tonight. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed i 'm going to establish a nation through your lineage i 'm going to make your name great because i 'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing so that every uh, all, so that all the families of the earth shall be blessed through you that's the that's the storyline that's the um, that's one of the many places where we can look to and say, oh man, God's going to do something huge through this, through this kingdom that he's establishing, through this group of people, through the lineage of Abraham. God's going to bless every family on the planet? How's, how's that going to work? Well, that brings us to Advent. Because really, we know this now, that when God told Abraham, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed we're able to look back and say, okay, what he's talking about there is really saying, and through Christ, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Because Jesus came through the family lineage of Abraham. So a part of that promise was going to bring about the Messiah. And through the Messiah, through Jesus Christ, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now Abraham probably didn't know that. And his descendants probably couldn't have articulated it that way. But they had this, this understanding, like, no, like, through us, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. There was this faith that God was going to do something through them, that he is who he says he is, and he's going to do the things he said he's going to do, and he's going to take care of us, and we're going to be his, his people, and he's going to be our God. And so we keep going forward. We carry on. We believe, we believe, we believe. And even in times of silence, you know, the 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament where God wasn't speaking a whole lot and there wasn't a lot going on, they held on to this promise, believing that the Messiah was going to come. And so in John 1, where I asked you to go earlier, uh, we see a part of what this means. Look at verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory... Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In this one verse, we see the promise, the part of the promise of Abraham that said, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. This is, this is what he was talking about, really. We see it all in one verse. Um, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. What that is saying is that they, um, you can see in the, earlier in chapter 1, he's saying that, that Jesus existed from the beginning that the Father, Son, Spirit existed, they weren't ever created, that they've always existed. Uh, sometimes I think there is kind of this uh, belief that that uh, the birth of Jesus was like the beginning of His existence, but it wasn't. It was the beginning of His life as a human on the earth, but He existed um, before this the whole time. And so... Um, when it says the Word, capital W, Word, um, that means logos, and that's like, a, there's a whole can of worms there. We won't even open. But, um, but you just need to, just trust me, that's what he's talking about. The Word, or Jesus, became flesh, uh, left heaven, came to earth, and was born, um, and dwelt among us. So that's kind of the first blessing that we see from, uh, from that promise to Abraham. That all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. The first one, the first way that God blesses us is just by showing up on the earth, you know. I mean, he was his presence is always here in fullness, you know, and it always has been and um that's become something that's been very important to me to emphasize as a as a pastor is that uh, we don't, you know, crank up the worship service and ask Jesus to like show up, and then he he goes from like twelve percent present to like twenty six percent present, and then like we're hoping to hit like high seventies by some point, you know. Um, it's one hundred percent all the time, everywhere, you know. It's just the uh, the issue lies on our part where we're just not dialed in, you know, very well. But He's always present. Um, Jesus has always been present, always will be present. But as far as Him like becoming flesh and dwelling among us, that was a limited amount of time. And through that life, at 33 or so years, uh, all the families of the earth had the opportunity to be truly, like, truly blessed. And so it points back to that promise from Abraham, the incarnation of Jesus, the advent of Jesus, is a part of the fulfillment of that promise. Uh, that that's one way that, we're, that we are blessed. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, the second, one, second way that we're uh, blessed by Him, uh, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, uh, there have been all kinds of like like partial revelations of the glory of God in the Old Testament, you know, but God was always like telling people, this is my rendition of it, and he's like okay if 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 I let you really really see my glory, like you will explode, and because I love you and I don't want you to explode, um, I'm going to just let you see a little bit you know and there are a few of those opportunities that that uh, a couple of folks had in the Old Testament, to see just a glimpse of it. You know, and it was very evident afterwards what had happened, you know. But here, in the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, we're able to see the glory of God. Glory as of the only Son from the Father. We're able to to see it. And I think that's one of the amazing things to think about. Like, for those who lived during that time, you know, for those 30-something years, they got to see the glory of God walking around in a body, you know. They got to see the one who created all this around us, walking around in a body, the one who holds everything together, the entire earth, the entire universe. He holds it. He keeps everything functioning the way it's supposed to, and the guy's walking around, you know. It was all created by him and through him and his power and for him, and this guy is learning to be a carpenter from his dad, you know. Uh, the families of the earth are all blessed through the advent of Jesus in that way, seeing the glory of God, seeing the compassion of God and the kindness that Jesus expresses, him being unafraid to confront, him loving people in just the right you know, ways that he was supposed to, speaking the truth. Uh, knowing, knowing when to back off, you know, a little bit, like just really, I mean, we just see so much about the Lord, the um, Lord our God, through our Lord Jesus, because that's what he's come to do. He reveals the glory of God, and all the families of the earth are blessed through that. And the last one, uh, in this verse at least, full of grace and truth, that through Jesus we, we know what grace is. We know about favor—the favor of God—not being something that is earned, but something that is that He gifts to us. You know, like He's a gift to us, and He is generous with His grace, and He is sharing it. And a part of being full of grace is also being full of what's true. That for the first time, really, in this in this exact way, people began to see what's real and true about everything. So Jesus, in his teaching ministry, you know, he says, you've been, you've been told this, but what I'm here to tell you is this. That's what he's doing. He's full of grace, saying you, know, you don't have to earn this, but I'm, I want to tell you what's true and real about the world. Uh, you live in a world that is upside down because of sin, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to show you what the kingdom of God is like, and we're going to set that right side up. Now, you may not want anything to do with it once it's right side up, but I love you enough to tell you That the way your mind works is upside down. And through me, at work among you, you can be set right side up. The whole Sermon on the Mount, that's all he's doing. Saying, uh, in your world, it's upside down. Anger is upside down. Let me show you set right side up. Let me show you what's real and true. In your world, judgment works this way. Let me show you how it works inside my kingdom. In your world, lust rules everything. Let me show you how it fits in uh, over here. So he's full of grace and truth, showing us the, the true glory of God because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And through that incarnation, through that's what that incarnation means, the Word becoming flesh, dwelling among us. Through that happening, all the families of the earth are truly blessed. And you look at the next verse, uh, verse 15. It's about John the Baptist. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Which is really just John saying, like, look, Jesus, he's going to be born after me and his ministry's going to come after me, but he's always existed. John understood this incarnational idea of he's always existed, but then the word became flesh and other people didn't get that because they're like, yeah, but you're born a little bit before him, right? And y'all are cousins. And he's like, uh, all right, whatever. Um, That's not the big emphasis. Look at 16. So here those ways that Jesus theoretically is going to like bless all families of the earth 16 is where it comes into your life if you're a christian for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace all right think about that verse for a second from his fullness all right the f- the fullness of the glory of god the fullness of deity the fullness of all those things hoped for the fullness of the plans of things yet unseen, the fullness of all that was promised, from His fullness of all that holiness and all that everything, how does that flow into our lives? We have all received grace upon grace. Unearned, unmerited favor upon unmerited, unearned favor upon... Yeah, it just keeps being heaped and heaped and heaped. Because he's not stingy, you know. Part of why he's not stingy is because he has a generous heart. Another reason he's not stingy is because he doesn't run out of it, you know. He doesn't have to ration it. So from his fullness, we all receive grace upon grace. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That from Jesus we know what's real and true about God and us and how everything works. Verse 18 No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known that he is the one who reveals God to us. And through that revelation, all the families of the earth will be blessed in Christ. A promise to Abraham. The promise was walked out in faith. One day, Jesus was born. And through Jesus, from that lineage, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so, when you are a Christian, you become a part of the family of Christ. You become a son. You become a daughter. You become a part of of the church, which has been described as his bride, and so we marry Christ, and not in a weird way, okay, but in an awesome way where the, we become one with him, and there's a union that is there. And when we marry into the family, so to speak, we become about the business of the family. And so the things that are important to the family are important to us because we're part of the family, we're one with the family. And so, things like Matthew 28, the Great Commission, it takes on new meaning when, you, when we think about it in these terms. Look at what it says. Um, as Jesus is about to uh, ascend, uh, this is what he uh, passes on to them. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. He says, all right, there's there's two big things that happen in in the in the family. Um, and as we marry into the family, we become sons and daughters. We become a part of the bride. Our agenda becomes uh, like falls in line with his agenda. And he says, okay, here's here's what you need to do. Think of it kind of kind of in two in two ways. One is baptizing people. And Baptism is like points to a a conversion, uh, a, a placing of your faith in Jesus and saying, okay, uh, I, I was born a sinner in need of a Redeemer. I believe wholeheartedly that Jesus is that Redeemer. He is the promised one that has come to fix all this. He has come to set me right side up. When you confess, I'm a sinner. He's my Redeemer. I place my faith in what He did for me on the cross and what he's done for all of us on the cross and you that's a that's what baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, that's what it's pointing to. Is that intentional, like with your brain being like, I get this now, I'm choosing to believe in in who Jesus is. And I want him as my Savior. I want him as my shepherd. I want him as my Lord. I want to be in that family. I want to be a part of that bride married to that Guy as our husband, and I want to be a part of his agenda because it's all starting to make sense. This world is busted and broken, and he's the one that is is fixing it, and will ultimately fix it. And I want to live on his new earth with everything uh, just like he wanted it to be, where sin hasn't messed anything up. And that's what's going on, and now I want to be a part of that. And so whatever it takes for me to be there, that's what I, I want. And Jesus says, well, it's just a matter of, just place your faith in it. All right, done deal? Done deal. Awesome. Uh, what do I need to do next? Well, you need to get baptized, because when you get baptized, that's you publicly proclaiming, I've entered into Christ. When he died, I died. When he rose again, I rose again. I'm publicly saying, I'm with him. I'm marrying this guy in front of everybody. So Jesus is saying, all right, you need to go to all the nations, and you need to baptize them. He's not saying, fill up a pool of water and dunk as many people as you can. He's, it's a heart thing. But the heart thing becomes a, a physical thing. And through the physical thing, other people see that, and they're like, oh, I get it, I get it. So he says, join me in that. The second thing he says is, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. So once you're converted you know, once you place your faith, in, in, it's not like everything in your life like magically is suddenly Jesus-like. You know, you learn. So we learn from each other, and so we, we gather together on Sundays and we learn. We worship, you know, all that kind of stuff, and uh, you're living your life, and then our groups get together, our small groups, and we learn some more, and hopefully you're having dialogue with people out, you know, in other situations too, and we're learning, we're learning, we're learning, and you're teaching other people, and you're also being taught by other people, you're You're known by others, but you're also learning to know other people. And we're constantly learning, 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 learning. We're bringing people into that. And that's what we do. And so a lot of times we'll we'll talk, I'll use the language that says, like, we're joining Jesus in what he's doing. We're joining him. I'm like, yeah, but what what does that even mean? That's exactly what it means, what I just said. He's all about baptizing people and them learning how to live inside the kingdom. And once we are married into the family then we become about the same things and so we're helping people know what is real and true by by what has been called incarnational ministry to people you yeah. know so the word became flesh and dwelt among us well the the word still dwells among us through his church so Christ in us the hope of glory that means that there is a degree of incarnational life going to work with you in you Every, every time. Um, there's a degree of incarnational life happening where you live. There's a degree of that happening where you go to class and th- that kind of stuff. That we are, We're bringing that incarnational full of grace and truth, displaying the, the glory and goodness of God. We're taking that with us as we go everywhere that we go. And so we're about our Father's business. We're about the business of the family, which is letting people know what's real and true about who Jesus is. So what does it have to do with Advent? Well, what it has to do with Advent is this. This is a very unique time of year where there are songs about Jesus and there are like pictures, like images of Jesus and Mary and, and cattle, you know, set up on people's front lawns, you know, and there's like decor about Jesus and there's like all this stuff going on and it's the, like one time of year where it's acceptable for radio stations to play songs talking about the holiness and greatness of God, right? And some of them started way too early, I, I get that, I'm with you, you know, on that, but now is the time when it's acceptable, you know? And it's happening, and our whole culture has made that shift. And so for us, this is the perfect time of year for us to join Jesus in what He's doing in a different way than maybe other times of the year. So how you and I celebrate Advent needs to be consistent with all these things that I've been talking about. It needs to be consistent with the arrival of Jesus the first time, and looking forward to the arrival of Jesus the second time. It needs to be consistent. Now, I think that's difficult sometimes to know how to do uh, because our country is in a Christmas rhythm that doesn't really look exactly like the Advent of Jesus. There are some elements, sure, but not exactly. And so this is our time to celebrate Advent in a way that's like it's the right kind of weird. There's... Like, sometimes like, I like to distinguish between being weird and being weirdos. Don't be a weirdo about it. And you know what I mean. If you don't know, ask me afterwards, because I don't want to say it over the mic and it's recorded and then I get emails or whatever. So uh, if you want to know, what, what do you mean by don't be a weirdo? Uh, but we are to be weird. We are to be strange we are to be peculiar in in the sense that as as the u.s is celebrating christmas in this rhythm that we're celebrating advent kind of alongside them but like it's just kind of it's just peculiar a little different and we searched for a while about how do we do this as a church um and a couple years ago we were a part of this thing called uh the advent conspiracy and uh It was good for us at the time because it gave us something to kind of rally around because we didn't want to fall into the consumerism-driven Christmas celebration, but we didn't really know how to break free from that, and this gave us something to kind of gather around. And uh, I'm going to close here. I want to show you a video that they put out that kind of summarizes it, and then I'm going to tell you why we don't do Advent Conspiracy anymore. Um, Spoiler, it's not that it's all bad. Uh, All these things are very, very good. I just feel like it's a little bit incomplete and I'll touch on that in a second, but check out this video, and it kind of summarizes what Advent conspiracy uh, is all about. All right, so the Advent conspiracy is um, is it is just like it said. There's a there's thousands and thousands of churches everywhere that are rallying around those four concepts: worship fully, uh, spend less, give more, love all, and finding ways to celebrate this season. Uh, Differently than our culture and in a way that is consistent with christ and um, and those it was very good for us at the time. Uh, there are really two reasons why we stopped doing it. One is that uh, i I feel like theologically it 's a little bit incomplete because it doesn 't talk a whole lot about the second advent of Christ and how that fits into things. It seems to be really driven by um, like being against consumerism uh, which I, I think we're all we're all in favor of being against consumerism, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Being against consumerism, awesome. Uh, but there's more to Advent than that, and so we moved away from it. One, because we wanted to have a more complete uh, celebration of Advent. The second reason is that we didn't want to uh, basically replace the American Dream version of how to do Christmas with another campaign. You know. Uh, we really were asking the Lord to shape in us as a congregation uh, a, a normal, like, this is how this is how you do Advent. This is how the church does Advent, not this is how we do Advent conspiracy. See, uh, We didn't want it to be about a campaign, a campaign, we wanted it to be about Christ. And so we did it for a few years, hoping that that would break us from some rhythms and help us establish some new ones. Um, I want to put those four things up on the on the screen just for a second, uh, because these these are still a part of of what we do and why we do them. Um, worship fully uh, all over the Christmas, all over the birth narrative of Jesus. There's worship, Joseph, Mary, the angels, the shepherds, the wise men. I mean, it's just covered in it. And so I think the idea of us worshiping internally over this next. Uh, like from now until Christmas is so important that we are finding ways to devote ourselves and in, in our disciplines and that kind of stuff. Um, I'm going to send out an email with a couple of options on some, some readers, some things that you can, um, some devotions that will kind of uh, help you internally to worship uh, just in your time with the Lord, but also that that would be external, that, um, that there are ways that you are engaging with those around us that the worth-ship of Jesus is not just limited to what we do here, but we take it everywhere with us. Spend less and give more uh, are, are obviously joined together. Uh, spend less. I saw these statistics. Uh, in 2012, Black Friday, which is, uh, which is, it actually goes Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, when they tabulate this, so it's over the four-day holiday weekend. In 2012, it totaled $59 billion in the United States. Um, in 2013, so far, uh, it's only um, 12.3 billion. But we still have Cyber Monday and stats from whatever this, this Sunday is. We need this, this day needs a name, uh, something. All right. Uh, but the projection, <laughs> the projected total for Christmas for 2013 is 602 billion dollars in the United States. 602 billion dollars, um, and the uh, the research shows that for 10 billion dollars, we could have clean drinking water for the entire planet. You know, and so um, spend less is it's. I understand the other side of the coin too, because that's that's money that's going in to like provide jobs, which is going to pay for food and stuff like that for families. And so I, this is not a kind of like a, we shouldn't give a dime to the economy. It's like no. That's that's all fine and good. Uh, it's what's driving the spending, you know? Is it materialism? Is it are you trying to earn people's love somehow in some weird way through the gifts that you give and that kind of stuff? Are you giving out of obligation and those kinds of things? Um, and so, spending less is about us. Maybe let's dial down our budgets a little bit. Um, but then you tie that to give more, which is like let's. If if Jesus is a gift to us from the Father, with so much meaning and so much purpose that maybe the gifts that we give one another should be consistent with that gift. You know? So that we're not just giving to give it, and we're not just whatever, but we're, we're really we're seeking to give more meaningful things to one another. Um, and then love all, uh, that's where a lot of our like, the things that we have coming up on the calendar come from, is this belief that Jesus has come so that all the families of the earth will be blessed, all of them. That basically means everybody on the planet, blessed through Jesus. Uh, and now he sends us out to do that very thing. And so um, we're looking for those uh, that we can bless. And so Meg's going to come in a little bit and talk about some of the opportunities we have uh, here in the next few weeks. But that's where that's coming from. We're not trying to put stuff on your calendar just to put stuff on your calendar. We're trying to put the right things on our calendars. Um, and so when you press all those things together, uh, Advent Conspiracy was a way for us to try and break some of those rhythms, establish some new ones and so we've moved away from that as a campaign, but we've tried to hold on to the really good things, um, which is where our, uh, the Maison de Me party and the Women's and Children's Shelter and the Hope of Life offering and Breakfast on the Levee, that's where some of those things fit into stuff. All this is really coming down to like this one very important truth. Um, the way that we walk through Advent should be consistent with who Jesus is. The way that you look at the next couple weeks of your life should be consistent with, with what advent is really all about and so we need to be good stewards of this time of year both in, in how we're handling it in, internally in our walks with the lord and how that works its way out uh, as we love other people so uh yeah that's that's that let's pray let's do it let's stand as we pray Lord God, I'm, I'm grateful that just for, for being where we are in the timeline of history, it's, it's pretty awesome to be able to look at the promise you made to Abraham in Genesis 12, and to see how we are standing here tonight um, as proof that you really are who you say you are, and that you do the things you say you're going to do, and that you care for us in the ways that you promised. Um, that we can see the fulfillment of those promises and we get to experience that and live in that. And that what you promised to Abraham wasn't just something that happened to some guy a long time ago. It fits into uh, all of us who are in Christ right here in this moment. And we know that uh, that you have come uh, out of love, a love for the Father, a love for the plan uh, that comes from the Father and the Son, and the Spirit, um, this beautiful plan to make all things new, and you've come so that all the families of the earth will be blessed with grace and with truth. And that you invite us into that, you invite us into that proclamation and bringing that to those around us. Um, and God, I just confess on behalf of all of us that we need your help to, to be focused on these things and to to see the next, uh, the next month for, for what it could be. We need your help to not fall into the traps of the Christmas season, but to walk in the fullness of, of Advent. So help us, God, to be dialed in to those things and to really to get a vision for uh, how you want your church to be about your business during this time.